it's really good that we were just singing song about God being our rescuer because sometimes we find ourselves in bad or sad situations, don't we? I wonder, has anyone this week fallen over and bumped their knees or grazed their hands? Can you put your hand up? It's horrible, isn't it? Did you have a little cry? Did anyone have a little cry when they raised their knees? You're very brave. I remember crying a lot when I was little, falling over. And other things happen that make us feel a bit sad, don't they? Sometimes, I don't know if you've got a big brother or sister, and they can sometimes be a bit mean, are they? No, what angelic children we have here at All Saints. You've obviously been brought up very well. Well, I can say that I was a big sister, and sometimes I was a bit mean to my little sister, and she used to cry. And so, other things happen. Sometimes we lose people or um, pets, and that makes us sad as well, doesn't it? And so, when we are sad, it's natural to cry, isn't it? And it's a good thing to cry. And so, that's why I've got a little box of tissues here. Do you want a tissue? Has anyone got a runny nose? Oh yeah, there we are. (laughs) There we go. It's good to have a little cry when we feel sad. That's a good thing to do. But that doesn't really make the situation better, does it? Now, some people, when they get sad and unhappy, kind of take it out on someone else. And If your big sister's been mean to you, then you might be mean to your little brother and give him a little punch or a shove. And that's not good, is it? No. It's not good to reach out and hurt someone else. Some people, when they're sad or a bit tearful, reach for something else. They reach for something they think might make them feel better. Some people reach for... Chocolate. Chocolate. Sit down, sit down. Some people reach for chocolate or food and things that might make them feel better. And it's nice to have sweet treats, isn't it? But it doesn't really make things better. We're going to pass this round in a minute. (laughs) But I've got one other thing under my cover here. Something I want to suggest that you do is when you're feeling sad and you're crying is to remember that you're not alone. Your family loves you, your friends love you. But most importantly, as we were just singing, God loves you so much. And when you cry, your (coughs) tears matter to him. And he really cares when you feel sad. And he wants to reach his hands out to you. And I've got some little verses here you can take away, either for yourself or to give to someone else. And one of them says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you're feeling brokenhearted, God cares and he's close to you and he wants to help you. Let's have a look at another one. Trust in the Lord because he's your help and your shield. God wants to help you and shield you when things are difficult. I've been thinking this week about how sometimes as children we can slightly mishear what things are and then we call something the wrong name all the time and it can be quite embarrassing when you're an adult and you find out you've got it wrong all these years. Um, I was remembering how on on a car journey once, um, I don't know if you used to play I Spy in the car the day before screens, and... um, 
could go a long, long journey. And my poor parents for ages were trying to guess what this I spy with my life, something beginning with JC was. And I know in church the answer is normally Jesus, Jesus Christ, but it wasn't on that occasion. And so JC and we went on and on. And eventually I triumphantly said, dual carriageway. <laughs> I didn't write it as a dual carriageway, a dual carriageway. Um, <laughs> and uh, also... Um, one day there's this old lady who used to take me to church on a Sunday evening and um, the best thing about it during the sermon she used to slip me a little sweet to get me through and that was worth going <laughs> to church for but I very earnestly turned to her one day on the way out and said um, why do we talk about a conscious pilot was there an unconscious pilot <laughs> it meant nothing to me at all and sometimes our theology is shaped by things that we've kind of misheard or we've got from the wrong places. Um, perhaps sometimes our theology is shaped by the films or the musicals we watch. I was speaking to someone, oh, I don't think they're here today, yesterday, um, and I said I'm talking about Moses. And he said, oh yes, well Moses was quite the playboy, wasn't he, before he had that encounter with uh, God at the burning bush. And I thought, really I don't remember reading that so I went to the Bible and of course there's nothing about Moses being a playboy but um, obviously some director somewhere with some artistic license had um, written that into his film so (laughs) today is an opportunity to try and um, get things right to make sure we have a true understanding because as children it can be quite cute or sweet to have misunderstandings in life but as we get older it actually can make all the difference um, having the right and correct understanding about something makes the difference between sinking and swimming in a situation. Okay, so back to Moses. So things had gone from bad to worse for Moses. He had had that encounter with God at the burning bush and God had said, go back to Egypt and tell the people I'm going to set them free. So Joseph went to the Israelites, to the elders, and said, um, God's going to set you free. And they celebrated, and they worshipped God. and thought, wow, that's amazing. And then Moses went to Pharaoh and said, God says you must let the people go. And Pharaoh said, no. <laughs> Who is this God? No, you're not let- they're not going to go. And as well as not letting them go, he made things a hundred times worse for the slaves and was making them make these bricks and not supplying the straw that they needed as well, and yet they still had to keep to the same targets. It kind of made me a little bit think of today in our economy and sort of uh, not enough resources or people, but it's still the same amount of work having to be done. And so then they went back to Moses and said, oh, you know, you're a curse to us. Um, why should we listen to you? You've made things even worse. And so where we get to in the reading today is Moses just crying out to God, saying, why? I've done what you told me to do, and things have got worse. Why did you send me? Why have you caused so much trouble? He was having a kind of crisis of faith. Yes, he'd had all sorts of extraordinary experiences with God in the past. Just the fact that he was saved as a baby, his um, encounter at the burning bush. But actually, when his actions were making his lives of other people worse, it really shook his trust in God. And I guess that probably most of us can think of a time in life when, when things didn't go right, 
things seem to get worse and worse, we've cried out to God and said, why? Why? So how does God respond to this question, why? And let's look at how he responded to Moses. Interestingly, and maybe a bit frustratingly, he doesn't answer the question, why? He doesn't answer the question, why, from Moses or from Aaron or from the people. But he actually answers the question that Pharaoh was asking. Because when Moses had gone to see Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, who? Who is this Lord that I should obey him? Who is this Lord that I should let the people go? He wanted to know who this God was. And I think in this passage today, God goes to Moses and reveals to him in an even deeper and more special way about who he was and therefore why Moses could have confidence in him going forward. And conveniently for us, there are three things that he reminds Moses of. I, I didn't. I read this loads of times till I spotted this. Maybe you saw this straight away. But it's all to do with God's hands and His arms. So first of all, in chapter six and verse one, He tells Moses that He has a mighty hand of power. A mighty hand of power. Moses is to remember that God is way supreme to Pharaoh and the amount of power that Pharaoh had. But God is awesome and perfect in power. Moses was to remember that. Secondly, in verse 6, he talks about his outstretched arm. God doesn't sit back and think, oh, what a pity, what a shame. But he actively reaches out to redeem and to save. He's heard the cries of his people. They matter to him. And he actively reaches out to save and to redeem He hates oppression and injustice. And thirdly, in verse 8, he talks about his uplifted hand of promise. His uplifted hand. It makes me think of someone in a court of law promising to tell the truth. God is in a covenant relationship with his people. They're bound together. And no matter what his people do, he will not leave them. they can hold on to his promises. So that was the encounter with Moses. And it would be nice to say that after that, everything um, went swimmingly well. And um, that Moses uh, went back to Pharaoh, Pharaoh let him go, and all was well. But it wasn't like that. The deliverance of the people was delayed. Moses needed a little more convincing. Pharaoh certainly did before we saw the people released. But that doesn't take away from the truth of what God revealed of himself. And actually that was just one part of a very long story for the Jewish people that continues. Because throughout the Old Testament, we see them getting into scrape after scrape after scrape. Sometimes of their own making, their own disobedience, sometimes because of the cruelty of others. 
And all the time, God calls them back and says, remember who I am. Remember who I am. Be still and know that I am God. And when we come on to the New Testament, we see Jesus living out um, an incarnation of God in the flesh. And we see Jesus raising his mighty hand in the calming of the sea, in the healing of diseases, of raising people to life. We see him reaching out his hand, hating injustice and oppression, turning over the tables in the temple of the thieves, pointing his fingers at the religious leaders who were oppressing the people, and he reached out to those who are unclean. And as we're going to remember shortly in communion, he stretched out his arms, both of them wide, in redeeming the world as he died. He describes his passion, his love for his people, wanting to embrace and to hold and to gather his people in the same way that a hen gathers her chicks. And one of the last things he says to his disciples is that he would never leave or forsake them. That wasn't just for the disciples. All of these things are for us too. God hears our cries He sees our tears and they matter to him very much. And he doesn't sit back and think, oh, what a pity. But he longs to reach out his arm of redemption and help and to save. And actually, if we want to follow him, we also become agents of his help and his saving in the world. And that will shape our shopping habits, it might shape where we have our cars washed, if we have our nails done, the kind of pressure we put on our politicians. The faith that we have in God will make a difference in our lives. And having a true picture of who God is. Mark talked about the presence of God being with us. Knowing that presence, knowing God, does make all the difference to how we will respond in different situations. Um, About a week or so ago, um, I was asked to go and give a little talk about my work with a life project with people with learning disabilities here in Bath. And it was to a group of people who weren't Christians, but the leader had asked me to say what role faith played in our work. And so the day um, that I was due to go to give this talk, I talked to my colleagues at work and I said, "Um, what difference do you think faith in God makes to what we do? Well, there was someone out doing some building work outside and I went and asked him and he said, oh, well, faith, faith's all about having strength. And then I spoke to um, the lady who was working in the kitchen. She said, oh, well, faith, faith, that's all about provision. God will provide what we need. And then I spoke to someone else and she said, oh, faith is what binds us all together and makes us one. And someone else said, oh, no, faith is about um, even when you're having a really bad week, having a sense of joy and peace inside. And they were all right, weren't they? They were all right. 
faith makes all the difference and our experience may be different, but it's the same God, isn't it, in whom we're having faith. And this journey of getting to know him is something that lasts a lifetime. Some of us here might be thinking, "Mm, not sure if he's really there, don't really feel that connected. Others will have been following him for a lifetime and still pressing in, wanting to know more. And I think what I was thinking about in preparation for today is that might feel a bit depressing if you feel like you're at the beginning of a journey and there are people who have been doing it for decades ahead of you. But the thing is, it's not like a linear journey that you kind of, a ladder that someone's further up the ladder and someone's further up. It's not like that with God at all. And that he meets each of us where we are. And in the same way that at my work, all those different um views and perspectives of what faith is enriches what we do together we all enrich our life as a church and as a community some of us may have been brought up with um, two lovely parents and lived in a very stable home learnt about God since we're in the cradle and we all have a very special place of faith in our lives others in our church will have perhaps been brought up with people who weren't our birth parents have had some very tricky, difficult situations. And those people's relationships with God will be completely different, will bring something incredibly precious and unique. And that's why we're a body. That's why we're a community. That's why we enrich one another. Today, really, I see this passage as an invitation to all of us to go a little bit deeper, to press in to know this amazing God who is all-powerful, who is full of compassion and reaches out, who has promised never to leave us. And then to respond and say, what difference does that make in my life? What difference does that make to the situation I'm in, knowing that God is all-powerful, that he longs to save and redeem that he will never leave me? What difference does that make to the people that I care for who are troubling me at the moment and I can't make things right for them? Shall we just finish with a few moments of quiet? I'd like you to keep thinking about these things as you come forward for communion.